All right, welcome to The Answer, where we ask and answer the biggest questions in the NBA. I'm Wes Goldberg, and joining me today is Dane Moore, who covers the Minnesota Timberwolves and is the host of the Dane Moore NBA podcast on Blue Wire. We're talking about the Timberwolves, who lost in overtime to the Kings on Monday night. But before that loss, the Timberwolves were 11-4 and since their players-only meeting after losing to the Pistons by 12 on New Year's Eve. Get this, only... The Philadelphia 76ers and the Denver Nuggets, two legit title contenders, have won as many games in January as the Timberwolves. Dane, thanks for coming on the show. Can you tell us what's changed for the Timberwolves? Well, Timberwolves are title contenders now, right? That's what that means. (laughs) A a lot's happened. I mean, it's been this progression of, you know, 30 games without Carl. And so 11-4, like you said, 15 games. So it's kind of like the second half of the, the no cat time. And it took this group a while to sort of figure out what are they aiming at there, right? Um, they adjusted D'Angelo Russell off ball. They started playing, having Ant initiate offense a lot more under the radar a little bit. I think Kyle Anderson um, being in the mix has been a huge part of that. Nobody on this team really knows how to pass to Rudy Gobert outside of him. Uh, so it's all kind of like, Fusing together well, and I mentioned D'Angelo Russell earlier, but last night with standing, he's really shot the ball well. And you just had a team the first, when Carl was playing the first 20 games of the season, that it was like, what is the priority here? You know, like it, it was, it felt individualistic of you know, who is going to be getting there is the baton passing, as we say. Um, but now when you, when you watch them play, there seems to be more of an intention about the group trying to win the game, you know, and that sounds like an obvious thing. But when you're trying to find an identity, trying to figure out your roles, I don't think this team knew that the first 20 games of the season and even for a while after Carl went out. You know, Carl Anthony Towns is such an important player, but is there some sort of is there a level here of you take him out of the mix and now there's less decision making? no. I think the Carl Anthony Towns problem, if there, if we want to make one up, is that he's now playing power forward and he can't chase fours. Hmm. Or when they're off the floor and he's playing the five and Rudy's not, they were, they were unable to play the same coverage, right? Like Rudy's a drop big, Carl right. has, plays better up in coverage, right? So there's this whole, like, it's Carl playing a, a, a different position. His usage was, like, way down. He's actually outside of Kyle Anderson, the one – who best fed Rudy this season. I think he has like 24 assists to Rudy this season. And uh, I think Ant has like 14 or something. Ant's played 50 games with them. Carl played 20. You mentioned a lot of different players, and we're going to get to all of them. (laughs) Kyle Anderson, D'Lo. I want to touch on Rudy Gobert too, but we got to start with Anthony Edwards against the Kings uh, on Monday night. 33 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks. Over his last 10 games, he's averaging nearly 30 points on nearly 50% shooting. Should Anthony Edwards be an all-star? The West is so loaded at guard. I mean, it's th- that question to answer it is, should De'Aaron Fox not be an all-star, right? Mm. And he had a great yep. game last Luka, night, too. Dame, Ja, SGA, that's five. Max, six guards can make it in the West. So I just hate how we do this of, like, should this player be an all-star? No, just list all of them or, like, who is who should they be an all star over? I like the question presented that way, and I think De'Aaron Fox and Anthony Edwards is a fair toss up. I don't think either yeah. of them have a case or a strong case, in my opinion, to be in over Damian Lillard or Shea Gilgis Alexander. But between those two, 
Sure. I, I think I would lean Ant because Fox has gotten more support along the way. This this team had no identity when Carl Anthony Towns went down. Uh, they had no offensive kick. They still have no offensive kick, really, when Ant has to sit out for periods of time in the game. I mean, it's that, like, most valuable player argument with Ant, right? Like, what are they what is happening when he's not off the floor? And to me, it's all like Jokic in Denver, right? Where you're like, oh, man, are they going to be able to survive these seven minutes here? Like, Ant has been extremely valuable to the Timberwolves. This is a completely lost season if he hasn't done what he's done these past 30 games. So I think that puts you in the all-star conversation. Can you tell me a little bit more about how Anthony Edwards' chemistry with Rudy Gobert is progressing? Because obviously, we're not where it needs to be yet. But that took a long time in Utah between him and Donovan Mitchell. There is the report that Donovan Mitchell actually had reached out to Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell being like, hey, this is going to take a minute for you guys to develop that chemistry. Where is it right now with them? On the floor or off the floor? Give me both. I think off the floor, they're cool with each other. Uh, Ants never played with a seven-footer like in his life, like a yeah. real rim-rolling center. He's never played like in a spread offense where you just do what Rudy did in Utah. So, you know... <laughs> There isn't uh, offensive chemistry, I, I like on the floor. But the reality of the situation with Rudy to have an offensive chemistry with him is you need to find ways to play in the screen game with him, right? Rudy can have a chemistry as a screener for Ant, and that's been wonky at times, right? There's a lot of those Rudy gets called for the offensive fouls because Ant goes too early. And then vice versa, Ant doesn't really know how to throw lob passes. Uh, he said that that's not me like talking out of turn. And if you go watch them, it doesn't look like he has either. Now, how big of a deal is that? Honestly, like how many shots or like how much of the offensive focus do you really want Rudy Gobert to be? What's the latest on on Carl Anthony Towns and, and how does he fi- factor into all these things going forward? Yeah, well, the last question, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's hard, right? Because you want to apply a lot of these things to Carl and him coming back into the mix. And how do you really, you know, how do you apply him back into this? They've been playing a style of play that kind of specifically isn't Carl's style of play just to survive. I'm I'm really of the mind that you need to keep Kyle Anderson in the mix and and that when he comes back, I would lean into going as big and as long as possible. I would start Kyle Anderson at the three. I'd start Jade McDaniels at the two. Um, mm. And I'd probably start Ant at the one. And maybe it's not starting, you know, and maybe that's if D'Angelo Russell moves on afterwards. Maybe starting isn't the right word. I would really target that lineup combination. Um, there's... Kyle and Jaden can switch with anybody that Carl's going to be guarding there. Like that's obviously a huge lineup, but Carl would be the worst defender in that group. So it's not like some power forward Kyle Anderson wouldn't be able to guard that, that Carl would. So I'm, I'm just of the, of the mind of lean into a big identity, but we'd to answer your first question. We don't know when he's uh, going to be coming back. There was an initial like four to six week timetable put out there that was kind of taken to be, when he would be coming back. Um, we were in the local media kind of told that that was a reevaluation time, like four to six weeks is when it would be reevaluated. I've been saying after the all-star break okay. since December. Well, where the Timberwolves are now, they're 27 and 26. Uh, despite playing most of the season without towns, like we're talking about, um, 
they're a game out of fourth place in the Western Conference. Um, they're still, you know, in right now in that play-in mix. Uh, what's the expectations now in Minnesota? Is it is it to make the playoffs? Uh, you know, where how has January changed things for them? Once we saw at the beginning of the year the Rudy and Cat thing was going to clearly not work right away. Um, you kind of turned off that 50 win expectation for this team. Right. I think that was kind of the number. A lot of people uh, in the local media and stuff here were saying. That's what I thought too. Yeah. Like, but you could kind of tell like 10 games in, it, it just definitely wasn't going to be that. So I've kind of always since that point on been like looking at like the six seed, like get out of the play in, but now like, shit, I don't know. It could be, they, they really could be like the four seed. I, I just view the West in general. I'm not saying like the wolves are, but like, I don't think there's that big of a difference between the Sacramento Kings and the Oklahoma city thunder. To me, it's the nuggets and Grizzlies and everyone else is like, I don't know. Hope you get a team in the first round that you match up with well, like positionally. <laughs> right. I don't think there's a big distinction in the West at all. Let's talk about the trade deadline a little bit. You you sort of hinted at the D'Angelo Russell decision, I guess. Um, but, you know, in terms of where he stands uh, ahead of the trade deadline, just overall, has D'Lo been a net positive or a negative for the Timberwolves this year? Positive, okay. actually. Um, I mean, and the shooting has been pretty insane it's like the first 13 games of the season if you like cut that out so it's not it's like the last 40 shooting 75 percent at the rim which is like the best amongst point guards like 55 percent from mid-range and over 40 percent from three yes there are issues there's turnovers defensive liability for sure but i'm like i'm looking at this with deal i'm like this is the best version we've seen of him since he's been in minnesota and i'm not really sure what else it is that people are expecting it's been, though, like simultaneously, those numbers have been really high, and he has been kind of like a net neutral in, in net rating over the course of those three months, where kind of the rest of the roster, in terms of net rating, has a more positive point differential. Yeah, could you trade him? Now, that's that's a whole, like, do you want to go into that? Like, he Would they trade him? Positive, but, but could they trade him? Yeah, I mean, Miami, like, yeah. I think, honestly, culturally and everything i think he'd be a really good fit there and it might be like as a sixth man eventually like kind of like hero's role in the past like i think deandre russell is going to go on to do something similar to like what tyler hero did in in past years i think he could do that i don't know what 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 do you think what do you think about it i'm curious (laughs) for your perspective from the miami side if they're trying to move off of the Kyle Lowry salary, I think it makes sense. And if you're Minnesota and you want to add some leadership into the locker room and somebody who's more of a table setter than a shot getter as a point guard, then that to me does make sense for Minnesota. If you wanted to just do a one for one swap. The one other one I'll yes. say when we're talking about Miami and we're talking about the Wolves at the trade deadline, I think Nas Reed would be an awesome fit in Miami. I love Nas Reed. I've loved him since he was at LSU. Uh, what would Minnesota Whoa. be looking to get back for him? Since he was getting that bag under the table. <laughs> That's right. He's been a really cool player to cover. Nazari came into Summer League after going undrafted his rookie season, yeah. weighing 283 pounds and played in Summer League. And I uh, I remember actually sitting by, rest in peace, our mutual friend, uh, Jonathan Charks, mm. who uh, were watching that game. I'm like, what do you think about this Nazari guy? Like, what's he going to be? And Charks is like, I'm going to like Mo Spates. And, I, and he's like, because he couldn't run, he couldn't jump, and he's like shooting like 19 footers. I'm like, that's a that's a great cop. That's a great cop. So I go yeah. back, 283 pounds, Nas Reed, uh, 
summer league after the draft. I asked Nas the other day how much he weighs now. He weighs 227 pounds. Wow. He lost 56 pounds in four years. He's got more of like a four build. Uh, He's fast. He can handle jelly fam, whatever. Like the guy is super skilled and it's the, you know, the classic, right? Like fat is potential in disguise thing. Like Nas was quintessentially that. I've heard stories about him eating like broccoli and chicken breast for like breakfast every day for like weeks at a time. Like dude is totally dialed in. But I think this guy will be uh, in the league for a while because he has a skill. He has the work ethic. And do the Wolves have an appetite for trading that? No, I just, like, I mean, not normally. You would love to keep that young developmental player like that. But you also have two centers on your team who are like going to combine to be making almost a hundred million dollars a year. Right. So you might not want to throw like another nine at, at Nas right. Reed. So in a lot of ways, it makes sense to move Nas, though you would need to kind of do it now. And Carl's not back. So maybe they just keep him and ride it out. Well, if he does go, he'll be welcome in Miami. Um, I think play the four, man. Like, honestly, yeah, you can play him next to Bam. I, 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 that's why I'm like, I love that. I love that spot. For him. We love the national holiday calendar around here. And this week on February 2nd, it's National Tater Tot Day. Dane, so where does the tater tot rank in potato dishes, in your opinion? Elite. The 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 tater tot is is that is always the option if you're like going out to eat. What, what, I did not know that this was going to be a question. Um, I told you there'd be a surprise. Yes, you obviously substitute tater tot for for French fries uh, with breakfast. Underrated too. Like if a place is going to serve you those cheap breakfast potatoes, hate those those little triangles. Switching <laughs> a tater tot for sure if that's an option. I'm a I'm a big I'm a big tater tot fan. Wow. I don't know. Like are you you're anti tater tot here? I actually am anti tater tot. You've got like tater you've got like tater tot in the Kevin Garnett like tier of like Good Minnesota Mount Rushmore. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh I've got tater tot low. I've got tater tot like give me like give me a joke Timberwolves player. Like Mark Madsen. Give me a yeah, tater tot. I've got it like Mark Madsen level here. I I actually just if if the tater tot is the default I, I substitute for every potato, probably. You like those breakfast potatoes. I do enjoy are... a good breakfast potato. Oh. A little ketchup, especially if they cook them with, like, the peppers and onions, too, like that little yeah, mix. Well, that's different. I'm talking about the, like, they got the bag from Costco two <laughs> weeks ago, and they poured it in the fryer, and it's out, like, next to my Eggs Benedict. I hate that. No, no, no. Those little, like, shaved hash brown things, that's the lowest version of potato. I don't need those. That's weird. Uh, but or what French like, fry? What French fry is also no. like if you you get like Uber Eats and your the fries are in a styrofoam thing and you open them and it like the steam comes out and there's like condensation on it straight to the garbage. Yeah, straight. tater tots are often crispy though. You rarely have condensation <laughs> issues with with tater tots. Thanks for hanging out, buddy. All right, dude. Later.